Good morning, church. A uh, quick note, there will be an elders meeting tomorrow evening. I actually didn't confirm that with all the elders, but I think they're, most of them are okay with that uh, at uh, 7 o'clock. So um, just to let the congregation know that uh, we do that on a regular basis. We meet uh, mostly on a regular basis. So we take the, um, the guiding and planning of our church seriously, right? We're living serious and so uh, if you have anything that you would like the elders to discuss or do you want to um, present to us then um, let us know and we can discuss it at the meeting or you can come and be uh, present it there um, also i will not be here next sunday i'm taking a vacation sunday and so uh, our man ben will be providing the message for us so be excited about that come and uh hear him uh hear him preach he is very excited about preaching and enjoys doing that so that we couldn't be happier to have one of our own um giving us the word of the lord so let's pray and we'll get started today i thank you god for the opportunity to uh, read your word in front of others and lord the opportunity to uh, research what it is through the week and to uh, present it uh, Lord, I thank you for the people here who are willing to receive your word, and I ask that you would open our hearts and minds to uh, what you have to say to us today. Uh, bring your Holy Spirit among us so that we can uh, be energized by the life-giving word in our Bibles. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Serious living. Last week, we talked about prayer, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. We discussed uh, what it is for us to pray and, and why we should pray and some results of prayer. And this week, we are talking about the same verse, but we're going to add a few more verses because there's a lot packed into that verse. Regarding intercession. Last week, our sermon was about prayer, and this time it's regarding intercession. What is intercession? Let's start by reading 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority, so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases, our, pleases God, our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. For there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message that God gave to the world at just the right time. And I have been chosen as a preacher and an apostle to teach the Gentiles this message about faith and truth. I'm not exaggerating, just telling the truth. In every place of worship, I want men to pray with holy hands lifted up to God, free from anger and controversy. I actually read one extra verse. That will be for next week. Now, two weeks from now, maybe Ben will preach on verse 8, but I don't think so. Um, so, there we have uh, the first seven verses of 1 Timothy chapter 2. And the first verse there tells us to intercede on their behalves. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf. 
What is intercession? What is that? Intercede on their behalf. It is standing in the gap for others. It's operating as an ambassador, the one who understands and communicates the terms and works to stabilize relations. In the Old Testament, intercession was often prompted when God revealed to one of his servants that he planned to bring judgment upon someone or a group of people. Now, here's a few things about an intercessor, uh, the person. The intercessor um, already has a faith-based working relationship with God and a good understanding of God's character. One who... uh, intercedes on others' behalf, knows God. and They have, they have a, a, a past of uh, understanding who he is. And in addition to this, um, because of the grace and mercy that God has shown to the servant or the intercessor, that person also has a heart of compassion and concern for others. So for one to intercede for others, They must uh, know God and have that faith-based working relationship. And they must have a heart of compassion and concern for others. Paul is very adamant about this when he writes the letter to Timothy of serving others and of having compassion for them. As he tells uh, Timothy uh, how to manage the new church, we'll see that the compassion thing and the leadership is a big deal. Now let's look at some Old Testament examples of intercession. Abraham, if you remember in the Old Testament, um, from Genesis chapter 18, um, intercedes on the behalf of Sodom and Gomorrah, the towns who were, uh, shall we say, evil. They were in the practice of doing all kinds of evil things, anyway, um, things that God did not want them to do. And Abraham intercedes on their behalf. He prays, Oh God, uh, if there were at least uh, 50 men, 50 people in Sodom and Gomorrah that were uh, righteous, that were good, then don't burn the cities up with fire because God is done with them, right? He's going to cleanse them, and he's going to, to destroy the cities. Abraham says, no, maybe, maybe there's 50 people there. Well, uh, 50 people are not there that are righteous. Uh, Abraham says, what about 45? If even 45, and God says, okay, if there's 45. And, and then uh, he says, what about 40 and 30? And he keeps working his way down. You know, God... Please save these cities because maybe there are some righteous people in there. Well, not even 10 righteous folks could be found in these places. Now, that's, that's not a lot. I mean, is there 10 righteous people? It's not a lot. But there was one Lot. His name was Lot. And he was there. And God had mercy on Lot and gave time for Lot and his family to be saved from the fire. 
Now, Abraham interceded. Let's look at uh, uh, four patterns um, of intercession that we see. Uh, Number one, God visited and communicated with Abraham. Abraham spoke with him. They had a powwow, could you say? Do you ever do that? Do you ever have that time where you talk to God about things? We call it prayer, of course, but in particular, this is a time of intercession. So do you have that time when you intercede for others, praying for others on their behalf? This happened with God and Abraham. Uh, Number two, God revealed his intentions to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah as judgment for the ongoing evil and wickedness. God didn't like what they were doing, but they continued to do it, even though they were aware that it was evil. God didn't like it. And so he revealed his intentions. And number three, Abraham appealed to God's character. Uh, He said, uh, God, you are a righteous God, and you are one who loves justice. And so uh, he appealed to God's character on behalf of Lot and his family. And then God responded to Abraham's plea to save Lot and his family. Now let's talk about Moses. Moses interceded um, when the Israelites were in the wilderness. If you remember the story, it comes from Exodus chapter 32. Uh, The Israelites were in the wilderness, and they hadn't heard from Moses for a while. He had been up in the mountain talking to God, and uh, Aaron was Moses' brother and was leading, helping lead them at that time. And the people wanted a physical God that they could worship. So they told uh, Aaron, hey, make us a gold calf. And so Aaron did. I don't know what he was thinking. And um, he made them an idol. God was not happy with the situation. We know that God is a jealous God. And he doesn't want to have to compete with a, uh, a piece of inanimate object, uh, metal, even if it's the most precious metal. He's not going to compete with that. And he was not happy. So Exodus chapter 32, verses 30 and 31. The next day Moses said to the people, You have committed a terrible sin, but I will go back to the Lord on the mountain Perhaps I will be able to obtain forgiveness for your sin. So there we see the intercession. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Oh, what a terrible sin these people have committed. They have made gods of gold for themselves. But now, if you will only forgive their sin, but if not, erase my name from the record you have written. Moses is serious about interceding. He wants the people to experience forgiveness and grace and mercy. Here we see the same uh, four points. God meets with Moses to communicate the situation. He's angry about the gold calf. And number two, God reveals his intention to destroy the Israelites. Uh, Earlier on in this text, he says that he's going to uh, take care of them once and for all. He's going to destroy them because of their rebellion and idolatry. And number three, Moses appeals to God's character and covenant on behalf of the Israelites. He reminds God of who God is, which 
God doesn't need to be reminded of that, obviously, especially by us. But Moses uh, recognizes who God is and speaks to God about it. And then last, uh, number four, God responded to Moses' plea by leaving a remnant, a remnant of his believers. Hey, it's a serious thing to be in the line of fire of God's judgment. You know, praise God for us that there is one who stands in the gap for us, and that's, of course, Jesus. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 24 and 25 says, Because Jesus lives forever, his priesthood lasts forever. Therefore, he is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. Even before he died, Jesus was interceding for us in prayer. In John chapter 17, verse 20, he says, I am praying not only for the, these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through, this, through their message. I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. And now, after reading that Jesus uh, prayed for us and stood in the gap for us and interceded for us even before he was on the cross, and now we are called to intercede on the behalf for others. That shouldn't be surprising. We're called to be like our Savior we hear that a lot, uh, be like Jesus, imitate Jesus. We are followers of him. Christians uh, goes back to the original uh, titling of that name, titling, giving of that name, little Christs. We're just small uh, people who are working and living to be like Jesus. So we're called to intercede on behalf of others. Our verse in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 tells us to intercede on the behalf of others. Paul puts it another way in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. He says, And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. And God is making us appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. And once our relationship with God has been restored, we are called into his service. We establish the relationship and we serve. Because of Jesus, we no longer intercede with God on behalf of people, but we intercede for people on behalf of God. Let me suggest that to you again. Because of Jesus, we no longer intercede with God on behalf of people, but we intercede for people on behalf of God. Paul is a pro at intercessions. You can find his prayers in Ephesians, Galatians, and Colossians, 
uh, Ephesians uh, chapter 1, verse 16. Paul says, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope that he has given to those he called his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. And in Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 through 12, we see Paul interceding. interceding. So we have not stopped praying for you since we heard, first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so that you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. And one more time, when we see Paul interceding, interceding, Philippians chapter 1, verse 9. I pray that your love will overflow more and more, and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding, for I want you to understand what really matters, so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. 1 Timothy chapter 2, he urges us to intercede. Now I want to point out some concern or some common themes in uh, Paul's examples of intercessory prayer. Common themes those verses we just read. One is to know, and one is to understand, and one is to live accordingly. Paul intercedes and prays that others might know, understand, and live accordingly. To know what, you might ask? What does he intercede for them to know? Well, first of all, he wants them to know who God is. God is, of course, infinite. He wants them to know that he is infinite. Compared to us, we are finite. He wants them to know that God is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the only one who was and is and is to come. He prays for them to know that he created all things. God gives life and has the right and the authority to judge his creation. God is in control and is involved with the affairs of man. Involved. God is involved in your life. 
His thoughts are higher than our thoughts, and his ways are higher than our ways. He is the only being who is omnipotent, which is all-powerful. He's the only being who is omniscient, which is all-knowing, and he is the only being who is omnipresent, which is being everywhere all at once. He wants us to intercede and pray for kings and rulers. The verse tells us, and kings and rulers should know that God is the only one who is omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. Don't take for credit that people already know this. Just uh, the past few weeks, Jess and I have, have, have had the opportunity to uh, be at the youth center, and at one point, a, a little fellow, probably only about six years old, was using our Savior's name as a swear word. And I uh, reminded him um, not to do that. Told him, uh, Don't take the Lord's name in vain. <clears throat> and he said okay and went about his uh, playing and then he did it again a little bit later, and my wife took the opportunity to tell him who Jesus was, and he didn't know. He didn't know about Jesus, and maybe he'd heard it, but he was only six years old, so he didn't soak it up if he'd ever heard it before. When I just told him not to say that, my wife took the opportunity to tell him who God was. It's really exciting to uh, see the result of telling someone not to do something or introducing them to the Savior. So I pray that that will have a long-lasting, eternal effect on his life. So we want to intercede on others' behalf so that they know who God is and so that they know who Jesus is. Jesus, uh, of course, being uh, God himself, uh, being the Trinity also is eternal. He is also present from the beginning to the end. And that Jesus willingly lowered himself to the station of a servant, humbled himself to serve others. He willingly died for sinners. And he had victory, won the victory over sin and death. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The only mediator between God and man is Jesus, as Paul points out in 1 Timothy chapter 2. Neither Caesar nor Pharaoh nor the President of the United States or anyone in the United Nations can make a treaty or negotiate terms with God. There is no other name on earth by which men can be saved. All authority is derived from God and subject to God, and no one may come to the Father except through Jesus Christ, his Son. Now we want them to know who God is, who Jesus is, and that the way is Jesus, the way of salvation. The wage of sin is death, the scripture tells us, and there can be no forgiveness without the shedding of blood, only a perfect, sinless sacrifice 
equal to the life of a human, not of goats or bulls, can satisfy the requirements for justice. This is the way. Who is Jesus? The way of salvation. Jesus, the Holy One of God, took on human flesh, lived a perfect life, and died in our place to save us from punishment, punishment that we deserve. His infinite worth and value as the Son of God is enough to pay for every sin of every human in all of history. And Jesus freely gives this gift of salvation to anyone who will receive it by faith and accept his lordship over their lives. So as we intercede for others, we want them to know who God is, who Jesus is, and the way of salvation. Now we also want them to understand the what. We want them to know and we want them to understand. So understand what? We want them to understand God's will. God's will uh, can be really, really hard for us to get a grasp on, for us to understand. But there are some things that we can know for sure about God's will. Number one, he wants everyone to be saved. He wants all to be saved. First Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Says, this is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. And God's will for us is for us to be holy. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 3 says God's will is for you to be holy. He wants us to be holy and we can do that through him. And he wants for us to rejoice and give thanks for his goodness and mercy and love. Now we have to understand also spiritual wisdom. We want others to understand spiritual wisdom as well. It helps us. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Setting our eyes on things above, not the things above of this earth, which uh, should be pretty easy for us if we think about it in terms of good or bad. You can look around and there's a whole lot of bad that goes on. You look up to God and his scripture and what he wants for us, that's good. So we should be able to easily set our sights on things above. There's so many distractors that pull at our flesh. We must set our eyes on things above. It's a constant thing that we have to do every day. The testing of our faith produces perseverance that leads to hope. We want them to understand that that is God's will for us to uh, come out on the other side of the testing of our faith and to have hope. And we want to be led by the Holy Spirit. Now, we also want those that we intercede for, that we pray for, to understand the truth, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Now, all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. You probably have that verse memorized. 
We want them to understand that that is the truth. The truth is his word. Now, the third thing that we can um, glean from Paul's examples of intercessory prayer is that we want them to understand how to live accordingly. Live according to what they have come to know and understand through the uh, the getting closer in their process of sanctification or in their um, their walk with Jesus. And we do this by uh, living peaceful and quiet lives with godliness and dignity. We want them to understand um, that that uh, living. A life following Jesus is a manner worthy of the Lord. We can only do that through him. Now, how do we live the life, a life in Jesus? Because what does living in Jesus mean? We must abide. Abide's kind of a a weird word. Abide means, um, you know, remaining in Jesus, remaining covered by the blood of Jesus. It is his righteousness alone that shields us from the wrath and judgment of God for our sins. We must depend on Jesus in order to live the new life that he has provided for us. Staying connected to him is the only way that we can continue to be nourished, strengthened, and able to live in a worthy manner. Jesus prayed that we would be one with him as he is one with the Father. And not just with him, but a part of him. This is also why it's necessary to be a part of a local church. The church is the body of Christ. To remain in Jesus, we must be part of his body and connected to his body. Have you ever heard the saying, uh, they are connected at the hip. You know, maybe two people hang out together all the time, two kids, and they just do everything um, with each other. We say this meaning they are inseparable. Wherever one goes, the other goes. Whatever one does, the other does, which leads us to living like Jesus, being so close to Jesus that we are connected to him, that we are in him we ask ourselves what would jesus do there was a movie uh, the jesus revolution it's a the greg glory movie maybe many of you have seen it and in that uh, in that movie the the preacher um opens his church up to shall we call them hippies or um People who weren't used to going to churches, they were searching for something, and they come to his church, and a lot of them, and some of the older folks in the church uh, were not crazy about it. You know, they, they don't wear shoes, and their dirty feet are going to ruin the carpet in the church. And so the, the preacher, the next Sunday, um, and, and the, the elders tell him that he's going to have to change it, tell him to go away or something. Well, he changes it. He s- solves the problem of their dirty feet on the carpet. He, he gets down and he washes their feet the next Sunday. 
he acts like Jesus and he lives like Jesus. This is a, a simple question, what would Jesus do? A lot of people uh, use guesswork as an answer. Maybe they don't go to scripture. You know, to be to be like Jesus, though, you need to read his word. His actions and words are in line with his character. What he does, we should do. What he says, we should say. He is kind and compassionate. He is a teacher to the humble. He never shies away from the truth. He is a servant to all, even those who oppose him. And he was obedient to the point of death. That's our Savior, and we should live like him. And we should live for Jesus. And we pray that others, when we are interceding for him, that they could come to a point to live for Jesus. Just as Jesus lived and died to bring glory to the Father, our motivation for living a life worthy of our calling should be to bring glory to the Father and the Son. To live for a purpose bigger than ourselves. And if we do that, we'll be more likely to persevere when things get hard. Be more likely to maintain character when tempted or uh, when immoral options are set in front of us. Living for our own gain will fail us and hurt those around us. When we live for Jesus, though, we are building his kingdom that lasts forever. And the benefits of his kingdom will bring blessings to many. Praying is a definite priority for us Christians. But interceding for others takes it to a whole different level. When we stand in the gap for others, it requires that we ourselves know who God is, that we understand his will, and that we are living worthy according to his calling. When you pray for others to know the way, to understand the truth, and to live the life, you grow deeper in your knowledge and understanding and are more conscious of how you live your life. You will find yourself living deeper in Christ, more like Christ, and for the glory of Christ. Let me pray for you right now. Father God, I pray for all of these folks here today that they might stand tall and stand in the gap for others that don't know you, Lord. Lord, help us to intercede on the behalf of those in our community who are lost, who don't, don't know right from wrong, God. We ask you to give us the strength also to to share your love with those who do know right from wrong and choose to do wrong. God, we know that your way is the only way. We put our faith in you. I thank you so much for the opportunity to, to witness to others that we have every day. Let us not shy back from that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.